This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey everybody and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line, in Los Angeles, a man who is living for love. Keith Caulfield, how's it going, Keith? I'm good. You are the true blue to my like a prayer. The like a virgin to my Madonna. The I'm breathless to my MDNA. Yeah. All right, I'll be the I'm breathless to your MDNA. That's, I was I was kind of scraping nice the bottom of the barrel say. there. I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, well, Keith, we obviously are referencing Madonna, who has a new album out this week. We will get to that in a second. Madonna. 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 Keep it all inside. We also are going to be talking about the... It's been a busy news week in terms of music news. We're going to be talking about the Robin Thicke and Pharrell Blurred Lines trial, Iggy Azalea's tour postponement, and uh, kind of a rough start to 2015 for her. And then we'll move over to the charts talking about Uptown Funk, Thinking Out Loud, Kanye West, Carly Rae Jepsen, and much more. Um, Keith, uh... Welcome to the Pop Shop Podcast, man. How's how's your week going, man? Um, it's going okay. It's going all right. Yeah, it's going well. It's like sixty-two degrees in New York right now. I it, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. It's I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt. I'm not. Didn't it I'm snow crazy. last week? Didn't it? Wasn't it like snowy? It like, was snowing last yeah. week. I know, and this, there's still snow on. There's it's still garbage snow all over the city. What's garbage uh, snow like, mean? It's just like snow that refuses to melt but is mixed with garbage and is like blackened and oh, nice. is nasty you know it's it's all that fun stuff that's the all the best fun part about, living in about new, new york, york is the garbage snow <laughs> we just have garbage here isn't that part of welcome to new york it doesn't taylor swift sing about garbage snow welcome to the garbage snow city Keith, before we get started on this rollicking Pop Shop podcast, a couple housekeeping notes. If you like the Pop Shop podcast, which we post every Thursday at 11 a.m. on Billboard.com, subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can download and stream right there. And if you like us and you want to help us out, give us a rating or review on iTunes. It helps our stats. We always appreciate the feedback. And if you have any questions for Keith or myself, find us and follow us on Twitter. He's at Keith underscore Caulfield. I am at Jason Lipschutz. So, Keith, are you ready to go, man? Yes. All right. Very, very serious. I mean, it's Madonna. We're, I'm ready to get into the groove. I'm ready to take a holiday with you. I am I am so crazy for you and your podcast, Jason. Yeah. I am living, <laughs> living for this podcast. Living for it. Because this podcast is synonymous with love, of course. Yeah. So, Keith, it's Madonna week. 
Rebel Heart out March 10th, finally, after months of, you know, leaks, semi-leaks <laughs> and leaks and... And full-on you know, leaks. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and stage falls and all these kind of things. Mike Tyson collaborations. Uh, Rebel Heart is here. Before we get to the, the chartiness of it, what what do you think of Rebel, Rebel Heart, man? Do, do you enjoy it? Well... You're, you're maj- for those who don't know, Madonna, Madonna is Keith's favorite artist. Uh, Keith, what do you think, man? Okay, so to be... To, to be perfectly honest, I didn't actually listen to the album until yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. The album came out on Tuesday. I listened to it when I was supposed to allegedly listen to it on Tuesday. The I like day. that you're shaming the fans. Well, um, I, I mean, before, before the album actually came out, I listened to two uh, leaked tracks that came out, I think, last Thanksgiving and and that was under the assumption that those were just like, you know, oh, these are the only two things that are going to come out. You know, it's, you know, a weird little leak thing. And then when the sort of avalanche of leaks came out, I was just like, okay, yeah. I want to hold off until I hear the final complete versions. Um, because I know in my head that I'm going to get attached to the demo versions. And I'm going to say, oh, man, it was better on the demo. Because there's a song on the album that was one of the two songs that I remember hearing. It was called. It was the title track, Rebel Heart. Um, it's on the deluxe version of the album, and I think I kind of liked the demo version a little bit more. So, if I'm thinking that just about one song, I probably would have thought about that about more songs. Um, so that was part of the reason why, and also part of the, partly because you know you're just sort of trying to honor what the artist's intent is. You know, she wanted to deliver it on Tuesday, March 10th. So. I've listened to it um, in full probably like three times. Um, I'm way more familiar with the first chunk of the album, which came out in December, mm-hmm. the first six songs. So I, f- I kind of feel like that was the album in my head, <laughs> which yeah. sounds kind of crazy. Um, but I've listened to it a bit. I don't know. Um, what do you think about the album so far? You've listened to it, I think, a little bit more than I have. Yeah, I've, I've listened to it a little bit more. Um it's funny because "Living for Love," which is, and we'll we'll get to that as a single and its and its performance so far. I it, it's I still think that might be my favorite song on the album, really? which is which is weird to think about because you know it's it, it it's usually not the case where like the lead single is my favorite song on the album, but yeah, that that happens to be I think the strongest song. Um, I think it's I think it's a good album. I'm not sure if it's an amazing Madonna album. I, I think that it. My criticism with it is that I think it bites off a little bit more than it can chew in terms of the different styles and collaborations and it's a bit all over the map. It is. And it's like and that's not a bad thing, but I just think that it's not as cohesive as I would want a Madonna pop album to be. Like it's not like, you know, you listen to like Confessions on the Dance Floor and that that just kind of has like a laser focus. It's, it's very consistent. One. It's very exactly. thematically and it ha- and also to its to, to I think because it had one producer, well, it had two producers, essentially. Stuart Price and Madonna produced yeah. Confessions on a Dance Floor. And it was so much, uh, you know, of a whole work kind of idea that they released two different versions of the album. One that had, you know, uh, dividers between the tracks, like normal, you know, silence between tracks. And then one that was like a continuous mix, like a continuous in-the-mix version. Um because sonically it all worked together there was a through line um yeah whereas this album you know you go from a ballad to a sort of middle eastern thing to a ballad to like a 
thing. And you're like, oh, wow. I mean, it's cool that there's so many different sounds, but I think it could be overwhelming to some people. And I'm also, it's it can be a little exhausting because this is her longest album in terms of yeah, the number of songs. Yeah, that's the thing. There, there, there are 14 songs on the standard version of the album. Um, only one of her previous studio albums has had 14 songs. And and that's kind of a squishy one to even compare. The one I'm talking about is Erotica. And it had 14 songs, but only on the explicit version. And, yeah. and that 14th song was a song that barely even had Madonna on it. And no one even thinks of that as a real song. It was called Did You Do It? So really, this is her longest album. And most people are probably buying the deluxe version, which has 19 songs. And then there's a super deluxe version that even has more songs. So... I mean, it's great if you want tons of stuff, but I think also at the same time, there's something to be said for... Um, brevity. Yeah, brevity and and pruning things back just a little bit. And a lot of people have said that this is kind of two albums struggling to get out. Um, you know... Uh, well, that, she told you a couple she, months ago yes. that she originally conceived it as two albums. Yeah, I mean, she's she's that's that's kind of what she's been um, referring to ever since, you know, her, her rebel side and her heart side and how it was kind of like, you know, two different albums... You know, kind of like a, a a double a double album in one. Um, What's and- funny is that I I feel like the 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 Pop Shop podcast is kind of like that. Like you are the podcast rebel side, and I am the, the heart. heart side. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that said, I mean, I, f- there there are only a couple songs where I'm like, kind of like, ooh, I don't know, like. Mm, cringy. Um, <laughs> like there's a song called "Sex" S E X, which is a little. But I mean, certain songs that I love on the album, I love "Ghost Town." Um, yeah, and I've I, it, the first time I heard it in December, I thought like this this is a hit. This is a hit, hit hit hit. Um, I really like "Hold Tight," which is kind of like "Ghost Town" in a way, where it, it's it's very evocative and it has kind of like it's kind of like a sequel to "Ghost Town" in a way. Um, I actually kind of like the iconic song with Chance the Rapper and Mike Tyson on it. Yeah, um, it sounds really yeah. cool. Um, you know, so what? I mean, so uh, let's 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 skip ahead. Uh, we're let's talk about single possibilities because we've talked on the show before that "Living for Love" has just not been working as a single. It has yet despite. to debut on the Billboard Hot 100 and probably will not, which that means it will be the first time that the lead single from a madonna studio album has not charted on the billboard hot 100 since her very first album yeah kind of mind-boggling right yeah but you know you have to think of it sort of in different terms you know uh, for for an artist that has been on the charts for more than 30 years um any artist it is difficult to be consistent in charting. Bruce Springsteen doesn't chart on the hot 100 with any regularity barbara streisand doesn't anymore dylan doesn't prince doesn't and and that's you have to think of her in that term, you know. So I'm like, you know, it's sort of par for the course. Uh, you know, yeah. I I kind of assume that Living for Love would have at least showed up somewhere towards the bottom half of the chart, maybe after the Grammy Awards, maybe after the video. But you know, such it is, it just hasn't shown up yet. So what what do you think is going to be the next single, which I assume is is going to come pretty soon? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it's Ghost Town uh, because she performed yeah. that on um, French television a week ago. Um, it was the first uh, live TV performance of the song. Um, so you wouldn't be performing the track on TV uh, if it wasn't probably in the back of your mind as an actual single. And I've I've heard rumblings that uh, it, it would probably be the next single. 
So I think they're probably going to at least get the get the first week out here for the album, and then they'll probably you know hit the ground running with Ghost Town. But I, who knows? It could all change. I'm sure everything could probably change you know daily at this point. Very true. So my last question for you, Keith, and I'm, I'm sorry to quiz you about Madonna and Rebel Heart. Why am I not quizzing you about Madonna? What's your favorite <laughs> song from the Madonna album, Jason? That's not uh, Living for Love. You know, and my problem with Living for Love, I like the song. I just wish that her vocals were not processed in the way that they are because they're making yeah, she, like that's she's fair. she's tweaked her vocals in a way that makes her voice, you know, hit it, it, it. I don't like the way it sounds, and I wish that it was just her normal voice. That's just me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's funny because you expect an artist like Madonna to kind of slow down, but it just hasn't really happened to Madonna yet. Like you, you said that it's hard to to keep this going, but you know, people are still. This is this is the project that everyone is talking about this week. And um, speaking of which, Keith, let's get to a, a sales forecast. Do you have any kind of early sales forecast as um, to what Rebel Heart might might sell? Not really. <laughs> I mean, I sort of do, but I don't sort of at this point, and this is Wednesday morning, by the time people are hearing this, there will be a story up on billboard.com that will have a much better forecast. So I'm a, I don't have a really good number. I'll have a better number later today, which people will see by this point, uh, you know, okay. on the, on, on the website, I'm assuming it has a really good shot at number one. Um, yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what I was, I was really wondering. Therefore that, uh, becoming yeah. her ninth, uh, number one album. Um, and I like her upteenth millionth top 10 album. Uh, yeah. So I'm pretty sure it has a great shot at number one, but you never know. Luke Bryan has a new album out this week and, and the empire soundtrack just came out and that show is yeah. red hot. So who knows what could happen? Yeah. We're going to talk about empire in a second, but yeah. Uh, stay tuned to billboard.com Keith's sales forecast story with, a, with a specific number for rebel heart and all those other releases are, is coming. Uh, so Keith, we got to move on to Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams losing the Blurred Lines trial against the the, uh, the gay family. This is this has been a, a really huge story. Came out on Tuesday afternoon. Are you making Are you making Blurred Lines noises? I'm doing a little. I'm doing a little Blurred. Got to give it up. Lines. Oh, I like to, that, man. Got to give up the Blurred Lines. Yeah, the the lines between those songs mm, are blurred. Some would say are blurred. Yeah, some would say. Some, would say. some some people that like puns. So this <laughs> this verdict was reached after eight days of trial testimony, in which Pharrell Williams and Robin Thicke both testified, and it was decided by a jury that Robin Thicke and Pharrell, who created Blurred Lines, which was the number one song in the country for many many weeks in 2013 it was the song of the summer in 2013 and uh they have to pay uh they paid 7.4 million dollars or they're going to have to pay yeah, 7.4 million the, the ruling is for over 7 million i'm not sure if all that is coming from the two of them individually or if some of those uh if some of that i believe it come. is okay no I, yeah i, I believe there, it there, is there, there was like different amounts that added up to over 7 million yeah it yeah, exactly. There was like a four million for them personally, and then for the um, another th- three million and change for other causes. I I, I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, seven point four million. Keith, it seems like a lot of people were surprised by this ruling. I don't know how closely you've been following this trial, but what what was your reaction when you heard? 
Um, I haven't been following it super closely. I've been following it probably as much as you know the average person has. I think what was interesting is that they evidently were not allowed to play very much of any of the two tracks yeah. um, in court. Um, I think they played like maybe a tiny little snippet maybe. Um, yeah, so what the, th- the thing was for, for those who haven't been following, um, it was ruled because of copyright law and how copyright law changed in 1978 that got to give it up. The original recording was not copyrighted, just the sheet music itself, and that is all that could be presented in court. Um, on on, a, on and, an interview this morning, the, the, the attorneys representing the gay, the gay family said that they did play tiny snippets of the song. So yeah. I'm not, wh- what did they play then if they couldn't play the actual master recording? Did they play anything? I think they couldn't play the full recording. I think that, that that's where the, the Well, all you have to do is. is play a little bit of that intro where you hear yeah. like, you know, the percussion and the, the people laughing and joking. Of course, we should probably play on the podcast a little bit of the intro to Got to Give It Up oh, and we a will. little bit of Blurred Lines so people oh. can hear it themselves. Oh, we will. Oh, oh we, we will. will. <laughs> Um, so what I think is interesting is that people had to, the, the jury had to compare the sheet music of Got to Give It Up to, um, I, I would assume the sheet music of Blurred Lines, which according to stories that I read, they don't really line up. <laughs> they, it's not, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not clear that one is mirroring the other. What, what we hear in our ears between the two songs is the similarities in the production and the percussion exactly. and the, the 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 hand claps and the hoots and the hollerins and the, the way it sort of and that's and, and that's why a lot of people assumed that robin thick and pharrell williams had a great shot of winning this case because like you said the similarities in the production really weren't playing a factor at least that's what many people believe because of that copyright law and you know that's where the similarities lie like you said it, it's it's in the production and and that was kind of n- not permissible in court so it, it's i i that's kind of why i was stunned by this ruling i think i think i would imagine that they probably that's probably why they that's why robin thick i would imagine and pharrell took you know didn't settle because they felt that the two songs were not the the same in terms of their melody um and and therefore they probably had a shot Whereas, you know, we were talking about this in the office the other day, not not with you, but here in L.A., we were talking about this and we were saying, you know, that's probably why Sam Smith decided to settle, um, you know, his his uh, case with Tom Petty between Stay With Me and I Won't Back Down. Because when you when you compare them in terms of the melody, it's essentially the same, you know, stay yeah. with me, I won't back down. Like it, all you have to do is just change the, the speed of the, one of the songs and it, and it essentially matches it. And it, you know, in that case, you're like, well, clearly they didn't mean to rip them off, but they did. And it was probably a subconscious thing. And that also reminds me of when the Rolling Stones put out their song, Anybody Seen My Baby?, and then when it as soon as it came out, people said, "You know, this sounds like Katie Lang's constant craving. Like it yeah. sounds just like the chorus." And Mick Jagger was like, 
well, I haven't heard that song, but I could have heard it. I could have heard the song from my daughter's bedroom. You know, I think she has the Katie Ling album. Maybe I heard it subconsciously, and maybe well, it worked. My and, way. and that's the thing. And it's, then they gave Katie Ling songwriting line. credit. Um, yeah, because they, they figured, in like, you know, you can clearly hear the similarities. And so, yeah, there's a difference between these different cases, and that's probably why Robin Thicke and Pharrell thought they had a shot. And, exactly, and they'll probably appeal if they haven't already. Yeah, yeah, they have. They haven't said that. That I believe that they put out a statement saying that they're going to review their options or or something along those lines. Um, Keith, yeah, I, I mean, you you touched upon it. Something like Sam Smith and Tom Petty. The the I, the interesting thing about this case, the Robin Thicke versus the Gay Family case, is that most of the this happens often, but most times the two parties settle or or figure something out, or it doesn't. Or, you know, it goes to a summary. It doesn't go into like a full trial with a jury. That's why this was such an interesting dilemma. And I mean, what what do you think, man? I know, like like you said, you haven't been following it as closely. But do you think this kind of sets a, a scary precedent in pop music or in, in art in general? Like we, you, we were joking online, uh, you know, on, on iChat with each other about, um, you know, like music videos uh, ripping off old classic movies and stuff like that like what, what like where does the line end between imitation and theft it's it's just it's it's interesting to well me. yeah i mean when yes where does the line where's the line drawn you know because it's blurred that's the thing the, well you know i mean there there are tons and tons of music videos that are homages to existing works you know, uh, an artist that I like a lot, Madonna, you know, many of her uh, music videos are homages and uh, to to existing photographs and other visual uh, mediums. Uh, if you look at her video, I mean, tons of her videos, uh, videos for Hollywood, Bedtime Story, yeah. um, Oh Father references Citizen Kane, Express Yourself references Metropolis. Um, the list kind of goes on and on. And oftentimes, the estates of these various photographers and and uh, directors and and creators would 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 say that in print saying well this is clearly kind of referencing our existing work and i think i don't know if those ever rose to a settlement um but i think you know what's this mean alfred hitchcock's estate can you know sue brian de palma for a bunch of his films that were clearly homages <laughs> to hitchcock movies where 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 does this how far can this go um, and does this what about suddenly, yeah. what about like one what about like One Direction who are clearly nodding to like a, a million classic rock songs? Uh, yeah, it's, can, it's can the Clash like take One Direction to court? Can Def Leppard take One Direction to court? Because I can hear Def Leppard in uh, Midnight Memories, um, and I can yeah. hear I mean I can hear like a specific song in Midnight Memories. It's not a sample, but I can hear that they clearly are trying to reference a specific song. And the the clashes Should I Stay or Should I Go is clearly referenced in- Live While We're Young. In, yeah. uh, well, no, the the first one. Was it Live While We're Young? I thought it was- Yeah, the, the, yeah that's the, it's the same riff. Great. Um, well, so, I mean, where does it end? Where does it end? It's kind of, it's a little sad. And I, I wonder how much people, people were- crying for doomsday on twitter saying like oh this is going to be the end of pop people music. like obviously to that, cry obviously doomsday that, on twitter yeah I obviously that's that. not obviously that's not the case but it will be interesting to see how much extra litigation this robin thick 
verdict causes. It, I, it, it's I, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, should, I should. I would. I gotta talk to my dad. I gotta talk to my dad about it because he's a lawyer. So I'm, I'll I'll talk to him. I, about I'm, it. Can they? Can they? Um, were they trying to take this to a higher court and it got kicked down to a lower court? Is that what happened? Or no, I don't. I don't believe so. Because I I just I, this seems like it's it, this should go higher. I mean, really, do you want a, a jury of just like random folks like deciding like what could suddenly be like copyright cases between you know well, artists yeah. i mean i don't know maybe it does get kicked up uh higher in, in supreme an court process. baby let's make it happen supreme freaking court all right so from the song of the summer from 2013 to the song of the summer from 2014 uh iggy zalia who dominated last year with Man, songs how, like how Fancy. the mighty have fallen black widow yeah so she has had a rough 2015 it kind of continued this week when uh, it was revealed actually we broke the story on billboard that her 2015 spring arena tour the great escape tour was being postponed to september dates were announced. <laughs> uh it was postponed due to production delays and production the problem with this delays is production de- hey, does that man. just mean that no one was buying tickets and and it really well just- that's what a lot of people are speculating and obviously the, uh, her her label Def Jam has refuted that, but you know they've they've said that it is due to production delays. They want her her show to be as amazing as possible. I mean, the problem with this is that the Great Escape Tour had Nick Jonas and Tanache signed on as opening acts, which are pretty great opening acts for your debut arena tour. Nick Jonas coming off a, a, a huge hit with Jealous and. A dedicated fan base, Tanache, a rising star with two on. The two of them now, should just go on their own, like you know, theater tour. Well, that's the thing. Well, it's already been announced that Nick is going on a spring headlining tour, and Tanache announced that she is touring this summer. Not sure in what uh, capacity yet. If it's a headlining tour, if it's as another support act, but she will be on the road this summer. Yeah, it's amazing so, what's happened with Iggy. She's turned into basically the Vanilla Ice of like you know the early '90s. Like, you know. well, I but that so that's what I want to talk about is that I don't know I don't know about that. I, I don't know about I mean, that's that. That's kind because of an extreme thing, but I mean that's a little extreme. I'm trying but to think it, of like an example of like you know you were riding high in the charts and and you were like the, the the new pop queen, and then all of a sudden it's like everyone's hating on you and got to kick her to the curb. Boo, you know. It's interesting because Iggy Azalea, more than any other, you, know, you think about the last four artists behind the uh, songs of the summer: 2011 LMFAO, mm. 2012 Carly Rae Jepsen, 2013 Ooh. Robin Thicke, Dang. 2014 Iggy Azalea. And the thing about and the thing about those four is, out of those four, I would say Iggy Azalea, you know, had a huge song of the summer in Fancy, but did the best job of sustaining that popularity of that song with black widow and she was on problem with and ariana grande for it song was actually a hit too. big for it yeah so that so that's the thing is that it's not like she was a one-hit wonder on hard times she's a legitimate star who's performed you know at, at a ton of award shows and is super popular has a has a huge following and and now it's just it's it's fascinating that her 2015 has, has just been plagued with these little problems that keep growing and growing. Like you think of like Papa John's gate when she was uh, the day of the Grammys where everybody should be focusing on the uh, Iggy at the Grammys and she's up for best new artist and she's really making an impact. And instead she's beefing with Papa John's on Twitter and then she leaves social media altogether, turns her Twitter and her Instagram over to her management team and 
you know, her new single Trouble with Jennifer Hudson is not on the Hot 100. It's it's, you know, it, it might be a hit someday in in the coming weeks. <laughs> like it might a be a right hit now. someday. No, yeah. I mean, but you know, it it, it it's it's only been well a couple right weeks. Now. She's she's had yeah. she's had she's having a rough patch right now, and I think a lot of this could have been handled better around the time when Azalea Banks was making her remarks about white rappers like Macklemore and Iggy Azalea. Um, And Iggy could have handled this better. She could have, instead of tweeting like really sort of like aggressive, sort of could be interpreted as uh, ill-advised and uneducated uh, responses to not just Azalea Banks, but also the hip hop community. Yeah, I think she could have handled this a lot better, and I think she probably shouldn't shoot her mouth off on uh, social media because, you know, what should have happened was uh, I remember seeing an interview with her with of all people RuPaul, um, where RuPaul was uh, asking Iggy, and this was like last year about. You know uh, the 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 idea of like wearing wigs and um, dressing up and putting on like this this show this sort of hip hop show and and Iggy said she's like I'm basically a drag queen she's like I'm basically like putting on this show where I'm this Australian girl this Australian white girl and I'm you know I'm putting on this kind of persona and I think she probably could have handled the uh, the addressing of her appropriating hip hop culture and rap culture and a, a style of voice better. And she could have said something a little bit more eloquent and she didn't. And that's, totally. that's why everyone is piling on her because she's coming off like, like dumb, you know, white girl from Australia when that's not clearly what she is, but it doesn't matter. That's what she appears to be on Twitter. I think that, I think you summed it up perfectly in saying that Literally, I mean, there's been so many interest instances in the last six months or so where you could have said Iggy Azalea could have said responded to this more eloquently, and that's the thing. And it's 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 just been a problem with her. And uh, again, it's I I don't I think she's just too big to at this point to just kind of go away. He like she's not going to be an LMFAO. I I, I don't think at all. But I, I do think that she needs a PR win, and this tour postponed like like you know if the tour did well uh this spring which uh, again it's her first arena show it's it's a huge deal that she's going to be headlining arenas then that's that's a pr win and now it's it's going to be you know pushed back to september because of quote-unquote production delays and it's going to have new openers so yeah i i don't know it's it's been an interesting kind of couple months riggy with like i said all these kind of small little problems mounting to people saying like what's going on with iggy azalea you know, it's funny. I was talking about this the other day with someone, and we were talking about how, you know, you all you know, you know, her coming from Australia, all she knows of hip hop and rap is what she hears, and she hears people rapping in a certain kind of style, using uh, linguistics and language that are foreign to her as an Australian. You know, she speaks in a different manner than she performs, and. I think there's a whole slew of British bands that sound like yeah. they're American dudes when they sing because they're they're kind of aping a lot of American bands, whether they intend to or not. I mean, are we really calling out a bunch of British bands and saying, why is it that, you know, you sound really American? Shouldn't you sound more British? 
when yeah, you sing? I mean, I think it you know just sometimes it's it's a very innocuous thing, and I don't think she meant any harm. And I think she probably should have said a lot of things a lot of uh, very differently. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. And and the last thing I'll say about this is that it's so easy people people lose sight of the fact that it's always possible for an artist to turn their problems around. Like look at look at what Lady Gaga's done over the past couple months with, you know, at this time last year we were saying like, oh, art pop isn't working, the songs aren't working. She had this weird South by Southwest performance and that drew a lot of criticism. And now she's, you know, off of, of rave reviews from an Oscars performance. Cheek, Cheek did well, it was number one. I, I mean, you know, you just never know. You never know what kind of phase Look, Iggy Azalea is going to enter in her career next. Mariah Carey went from, you know, half naked on TRL yes. with an ice cream truck She's like... to <laughs> and glitter and just a glitter bomb to We Belong Together and the biggest single hit of her career. Boom. So, yeah. you know, anything, Justin Bieber suddenly has, you know, like he's coming back around he's slowly. Now. He's slowly doing it, I man. Mean, anything is possible. And we'll, we'll talk and we'll talk about that. I want to talk about that uh, like in, in the weeks ahead. Maybe because the the roast is coming up, but yeah, yeah, like Bieber's getting some of that. It's like comeback season for Bieber. It feels like it, man. I just so. wish he'd have a better haircut. Man, his hair always looks like <laughs> crap lately. I mean, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it looks better like in this in this past week, but like all those Calvin Klein ads and the Men's Health and like he was on Ellen. It's just like this horrible shag wig that he has attached to his head. I think he needs to go back to the bangs, honestly. Like, just bring it back. I mean, you, you you established, I'm like, you you had the whole, you had an Aniston, you had you had the Jennifer, you had you yeah. had the Bieber, the Rachel. I mean, the he Rachel. but his hair looked great, circa boyfriend, by the way. Um, it's just I don't know like how we got right on now. this tangent. I, I'm just saying he needs a better haircut. <laughs> it needs to shave regularly because the the wispy th- no, it just doesn't work. Hot take on the Pop Shop Podcast, Justin Bieber. This is like the View. We're Your talking about like hairstyles. Sucks. All right, man. So let's move on to the Hot 100. Uptown Funk still number one, tenth week in a row, and you know, right behind it, Thinking Out Loud, Ed Sheeran. Now eight weeks at number two, and you you made a note of this in, when we were prepping for this show that not a lot of, of songs have been number two for two months, basically. Yeah, this this this, this can almost be like your early chart stat of the week. Um, so yeah, Thinking Out Loud has been stuck at number two for eight weeks. Uh, the, the last song to spend eight weeks stuck at number two and and two being that song's peak was back in 2004 when Mario Winans featuring Inya, Inya, remember? And P. Diddy oh, yeah. took I Don't Want to Know to number two for eight weeks. Um, so there have only been uh, eight songs, as you said, that have, well, actually nine, including Ed Sheeran, that have peaked at number two for at least two months um, meaning they didn't go any higher. To, they didn't. They stopped at number two. It's always the worst thing. You end up at, stuck at number two for like months, and you ke- just can't get to number one. And that could be what happens with Ed Sheeran because Uptown Funk is just so big. Um, for what it's worth, the longest run at number two without ever going to number one. Uh, there's actually two songs that both spent ten weeks stuck at number two, but could never get to number one. You already know the answer, so I'm not going to ask you what they were. Uh, the last one to do it was Missy Elliott's "Work It," uh, yeah, which spent. It's a shame that it never hit number one. It's I know, right? Uh, to, back in two thousand two, and then before that, uh, "Foreigners Waiting for a Girl Like You" spent ten weeks at number two. Um, I think it was stuck behind. I want to say "Physical" by Living and John for most of that run. I think 
like nine out of the 10 weeks, it was behind physical. So there's, there's, well, there you you, there's your not charts out of the week, but it kind of, kind of works as one. We need some kind of like some alternate universe non charts out of the week music. Yeah. I, we like, you know how that's like a, a, a kind of a, a bouncy little tune. We need like a little like bum bum bum, like a, a little something like that. We'll maybe, just sample we'll get you and turn it into a song. We'll get right on. All right. Yeah. Cool. Also, uh, debuting on the Hot 100 this week, um, Kanye West all day debuts at number 15 on the chart. Now, this seems to be his his new album. Still does not have a release date. It's called So Help Me God. But All Day seems to be, you know, the quote-unquote focus track after Only One, which he's performed all over the place. Both songs feature Paul McCartney. And Keith, another thing you pointed out, another top 40 hit for Paul McCartney in 20 it's 2015 and he's he's racking up those top 40 hits man yeah yeah the last time the last time paul mccartney and even though he's not really i mean i think out of the three songs that he's charted this year um two of them have been with well all, actually all three of them have been with kanye in some capacity yep. um one of them was uh, also with rihanna i think the only one where he's actually seen in any capacity was the uh rihanna four or five seconds one I think he was his his vocals were kind of buried in the mix. I think he's yep. just relegated to doing guitar. Relegated uh, Paul McCartney relegated to doing guitar. You know what I mean? I didn't mean that in a bad way. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's had three top forty hits this year on the Hot 100, which is crazy. The last time he had three top forty singles in a calendar year was back in 1984, when crazy. Say 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 uh, his duet with Michael Jackson uh, hit number one, and then he followed that up with uh, his own tracks. Uh, so bad, which went to twenty three, and then no more lonely nights went to number six uh, later that year in nineteen eighty four. But yeah, it's it's weird how Paul McCartney has made this incredible sort of chart comeback, and I'm still convinced that he is at work on a crazy collaborations album um, because I mean he was hanging out with Lady Gaga a few weeks ago and she tweeted a picture. So I fully expect a Paul McCartney album with a bunch of guest stars to materialize in the next few months. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that all day is the Paul McCartney song with the most N-words in it of all time. Man, that song is full of uh, some expletives. Expletives? I can't even <laughs> say that word. I'll, I'll have to fact check that, but I'm pretty confident that I, I nailed that that chart stat. So also on the Hot 100 BI, and we're going to race through some of these stuff, some of these things before uh, we because we have to go. Carly Rae Jepsen, who was our guest on the podcast last week. Hey, Carly. Once again, once again, thanks to Carly for stopping by. Her new single, I Really Like You, debuts at number 48. It's worth noting that this song has not been serviced to radio yet, correct? So it's just basically 48 on digital sales, streams. Yeah, it's like charting that. mostly just from streams and sales. There's a little bit of airplay, but uh, I mean, I am i don't know if it's officially been serviced. It's out there. It's not like radio can't play it if they don't want to, but we know how radio is. They don't play anything until they're told to. Done and done. Boom. And also worth noting and this is something that i wrote about for today the empire songs um continue to really empire range just won't stop yeah (laughs) you know they're in an uh, um i'll stop with the empire puns uh empires you're so beautiful not only uh which that song debuted on last week's hot 100 chart at number 71 it moves up 24 spots to number 47 but also the new song conqueror which is a duet between jesse smollett and Estelle, hey Estelle, welcome back to the Hot 100. That debuts right outside the top 40 as well. Yeah. Keith, I mean, this is just, they're 
these songs are going and go like they're just they're really making more of an impact on our charts as the audience of the show keeps growing literally and every as, week <laughs> yeah and as i i and i think the songs keep getting better and i think that's a, a huge part of their success is that you know you're so beautiful and conqueror are probably the two best songs that the show's produced so far well i think conqueror actually existed as a Estelle track before it became an Empire track. I think it came out on her own. She she released a single I think late last year, and I think really yeah yeah it charted on our um, adult R and B. That's interesting. That's news. That's news to me. Yeah, and then um, it was on her own album that came out in February as just a solo track, and then now it's in a duet version. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same song, except now it has uh, new vocals added in. You know what's interesting about that? And and like I said, that was news to me. That's what's interesting about that is that she doesn't play Estelle on the show. She plays basically Estelle, but her name is Delphine. So like it's Estelle playing an R&B artist with the song Conqueror, but it's not Estelle. Like it's a very it's, meta it's, moment. It's it is. Sort it's of. very interesting. Um, so yeah, so yeah, Conqueror yeah, is the highest charting single so far from the Empire uh, show on the Billboard Hot 100. It almost makes the top 40. It could go top 40 next week, considering the show's popularity and considering the fact that the soundtrack to the show, the full length soundtrack, uh, came out this past Tuesday, um, and it's headed for probably the top three on the Billboard 200 next week. Um, you know, who knows what could happen on the Hot 100 next week. All right, man. So before we go, uh, a couple things. Let, let's get to a, a very quick version, because we have to go, of Soon To Be Hits. All right, man. Are you saying that we have to go because there's literally someone knocking on the door there? No, no. I there, mean, tell me if it is. Nobody, no, it's not It's not true. Okay. It's not true. We got we got some time, man. Uh, so, But bef- because we're running a little long, we're almost at the 40-minute mark. Let's, let's just do one Soon To Be Hit. This week, uh, you had one that you wanted to highlight. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Me. Um, well, it's Florence and the Machines, What Kind of Man, uh, which actually goes top 10 on our alternative chart this week. Um, it's actually their first top 10 uh, single since their breakthrough hit, Dog Days Are Over, back in 2011. And uh, that was also their first top 10. So um, it's, it's cool, rockin' song. Um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a look at, you know, maybe mainstream top 40 radio. But considering that it's top 10 alternative, that gives you, um, you know, a, certainly a, a nice a nice placement on our charts. I think it's a cool track, and I think that it could possibly cross over to some other formats of uh, radio. Um, but definitely check it out if you haven't already. It's Florence and the Machine. What kind of man? Yeah, they're really gearing up for a huge push in 2015. New album out in June, like you said, and they're playing at Coachella and Governor's Ball and a bunch of other places. So happy to have Florence and the Machine back. All right, man. Thank you for soon-to-be hits. Soon to be hit, I should say. It's soon to be it's hit. Soon to be hit. It's, I mean, it's a hit, but not you know, it's not a huge hit. Yet. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. It's Top ten there. on the soon, chart. Yeah. Soon to be. Man, let's let's just do it back to back. This is the first time we did soon to be hits and charts out of the week back to back. But it, it's time, man. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> let's do it. Dude. Keith's charts out of the week. <laughs> Do, 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 blonk. Um, so this week in 1988, Rick Astley hit number one on the Billboard yeah. Hot 100. With, oh, yeah. With never going to give you up, never going to let you down. 
Never gonna rule. Okay, I'll stop. Um, the song, well before its Rick Rolling days, topped the Hot 100 for two straight weeks, beginning with the chart dated March 12th, 1988. The British singer saw both of his first two singles lead the list that year. After Never Gonna Give You Up, he topped the chart with Together Forever. And, uh, and Together Forever. I, I always slide into my Rick yeah, Astley impersonation because he's just, he has that voice. Um, yep. After that, he notched five more top 40 hits and he last visited the chart in 1993. Um, of course, Never Gonna Give You Up has remained popular over the years and consistently sells about a thousand downloads a week in the US. But the reason why most people probably today know the song, if they didn't, you know, if they if they weren't alive in 1988, the reason why most people know the song I now. Was. Okay, well, a lot of people know the song now because of the Rick Rolling phenomenon, um, where someone dupes someone into clicking onto something on the web, only to be led to the video for Never Gonna Give You Up instead. Uh, that that craze took off in the summer of 2007 on 4chan if we believe wiki um and ever (laughs) since the sales have spiked and you can look specifically in that summer of 2007 the sales went from below a thousand to you know a couple thousand a week uh so really i'm sure rick is just perfectly fine with this whole rick rolling thing because he's making money off of this song and it's rolling in the dough he's he's he's, uh rolling in (laughs) the never gonna give you up money so there you go there's a chart set of the week this week in 1988 rick astley hit number one thanks man for your chart set of the week love it man thank you all right that is going to do it for us at the pop shop podcast this week keith uh covered a lot this week appreciate it as always and uh yeah man do you have any parting words i do not uh we we have some cool guests coming up on the pop shop podcast in the coming weeks stay tuned and once again subscribe to us on itunes give us a rating we appreciate it and we will see you next week thanks again take care Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.